So uh, welcome to 2024. <laughs> uh, some people may know that, oh, I don't remember when it was. It was about seven years ago or something like that. Um, I, I, I normally don't remember my dreams. Uh, I wish I did. I, I pray that I have the ability to remember my dreams because I know God does speak through dreams. However, when I wake up normally, I'll have maybe a second of remembering what I have dreamt about, and then it's poof. Uh, but there was one dream I had a couple of years ago. It may have been about seven years ago, something like that. Uh, all it was was the number 2023. Boom. Just the numbers, 2023. And that was all it was. And I didn't share it with anyone, but somebody else in this hearing came to me a couple of months later, I believe it was, I don't remember the exact timing, and said, I don't know what this means, Rabbi, what do you think? It, I had a dream, it was the number 2023, and it went poof. So I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, sometimes God provides two dreams. We see that with Joseph, you know, when he tries to tell you something in a dream, sometimes he'll use the same dream twice, or a similar dream. We see that, there's a precedent for that in the scripture. So I don't know if 2023 was a year or... What else could 2023 be? I don't even know. But most certainly, I had my eyes on the year 2023 because of that since then. To see what would happen. Is there, is there going to be some sort of milestone year? Would it be, and if it was something to do with the year, would it be something personal? Would it be something congregational? Would it be something national, international? I really always had my eye on that. Well, now, finally, I could take a look at the year in retrospect. Because one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture says that, Hindsight is always 2020. I don't know what scripture that is, but it's... so looking back, you know, honestly, I'm not sure what it meant. Uh, I could say that 2023 was a very pivotal, pivotal year for us, obviously, as a congregation. Uh, it was a year that the Lord answered the prayers of many to have our own facility, and here we are at, at our own facility, and the blessings of, of being in our own place and be able to come here anytime we want. Uh, so that happened this year, and if you're, you're going to take a look more nationally or internationally, I mean, obviously what stands out is what happened in Israel on October 7th. So if there's anything that stands out, it is that, and it certainly seems that whatever that is, was, and going to be is going to and is bleeding into 2024, and is very much likely going to be a prophetic focus for the time being, you know, it says in Scripture in several places that all nations will come against Jerusalem. All nations. And prior to October 7th, I've always thought, often thought, how is that going to happen? How are all nations going to come against Israel, going to come against Jerusalem? You know, I could see some of the Arab nations how is it going to be all nations? And in my mind, and I still think it could be that, perhaps it could be something in the UN, like a UN vote or something like that. It, it, it absolutely could be. But one thing that just simply never crossed my mind was for people around the world, after such a heinous attack, after Hamas went into Israel and, and took people captive and, and raped and pillaged and did all these things. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that all around the world there would be these rabid, rabid anti-Israel mobs screaming 
you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free and things like that. I never realized, you kind of know it conceptually, know, conceptually knowing the Bible, but you never really realized how much around the world people don't want Israel there. They don't want Jews in that land. The Jews, is, it's, it, they're, they're occupiers, they're colonists, they're settlers, whatever it is. They shouldn't be there. The natural and the uh, historical, the indigenous people are the Palestinians. The Jews got to go and they got to give the entire land. So, so much for two-state solutions. So much for, you know, let's just negotiate where the borders of Israel are going to be. And, and, and let's, let's work out something and negotiate with some borders where the Palestinian people can have like their own land and their own their own uh, identity, self-identity, and, 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 and make their own future in their own land. And everybody kind of has that in their own heart. So much for that. It's apparently, it's get rid of the Jews from Israel, from the river to the sea, which is the entire geography of Israel. And I didn't realize that how, how much that sentiment was pervasive around the world. I didn't know until I see all of these mobs rising up everywhere, everywhere. And there really is, to be honest with you, and I got to say this, there's only one side to this if you believe in the Bible. There's only one side to this. We can have a heart for the Palestinians. We can have a heart for their, for their identity and the Arab people to have, you know, freedom. We can certainly have a heart for that. But when it comes to dividing up Israel, when it comes to saying the Jews have a right or don't have a right, there's only one answer. There's no middle ground in this, in this dialogue. We can have debate on, oh, if, if they're, if, if, is it too much bombing, too little bombing? We can debate tactics and, and military responses until the cows come home. But the, the question of, do Jewish people have a right to that land? Are they indigenous to that land? Or do they have the right to that land? Is only one biblical answer. And that is, yes, they do. I mean, the book of Joel says that God's going to bring the nations into the valley of judgment. And he's going to judge the nations who divided up the land. It specifically says that in the book of Joel. It specifically says that in the book of Joel. So as we come out of 2023, as we enter into 2024, like where are we in the, in the, in the prophetic timetable to when the Lord is going to come back? And, you know, I don't obviously claim to be you know, an expert in all of these things, and certainly there's a lot of folks that have strong opinions on this means this, and this is how the book of Revelation is going to transpire, and all these types of things. And I want to make a very clear distinction of what I feel very strongly about when it comes to end times prophecy, especially in the book of Revelation, where I feel very confidently um, in my spirit that I'm right, and make a distinction between that and other areas where I'm like, I'm just not sure. So I want to start today by saying where I do believe I am right, um, rather than just being, I'm not so sure. And where are we in the prophetic timetable? I do believe that we're at the end of Revelation 12 into the beginning of Revelation 13. And let me explain why I feel that way. So Revelation 12 starts with uh, a woman. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and, her, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, who is that? A crown of 12 stars has to be Israel. The woman is Israel. It has to be. It even says that she's clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. Remember when Joseph had a vision and a dream where, when uh, the, the stars and the sun and the moon bowed to him? So that's indicative of Jacob, the people of Jacob, the people of Israel. 
So uh, a woman clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, and her head on a crown of 12 stars. That's Israel. And she was pregnant, and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. Now, who is she giving birth to? I feel confidently. Now, scriptures can have many, many interpretations, and it could also have many fulfillments. It could have many fulfillments. Many people that think that the child she gave birth to was Yeshua himself 2,000 years ago, and it very well could be. I'm not going to take that away. But what I do believe is that when she was pregnant and cried out in labor, giving birth, who is she who is, is giving birth to? This is the birth of the nation of Israel in 1948. This is what I believe. We are seeing here in Revelation 12 a prophecy of the birth of the land of Israel. And then it says, starting in verse 3, then another sign appeared in the heaven, and behold, a great dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven crowns. I'm not going to get into what all that means because I don't feel confident about my answer. I'm going to just talk about what I feel confident about. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and hurled them to earth. A third of the stars, this dragon. Now remember, Israel is about to give birth. This to me is just before the nation of Israel is just going to be born. Got it? So now comes a dragon. So which dragon rose up at the time that Israel was about to be born? This was Nazism. Got it? So remember, the woman is about to give birth. I believe that this is the birth of Israel in 1948. Then a sign appeared. It was a great dragon. A great red dragon appeared. I believe that that was the rise of, of the Nazism. His tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to earth. Do you know how many Jews were killed in Nazi Germany? One third of worldwide Judaism, Jews, were killed in Nazi Germany. Why am I saying that has, has to do this thing about the stars coming down? What was told to Abraham? Abraham said, look at the stars in the heavens, and if you can count them, those, you won't be able to count them. Those are your descendants, right? So the descendants of Abraham are like the stars in the heavens. And now we see in Revelation 12, verse 3 and 4, we see the tail of the dragon sweeping away a third of the stars in heaven. That is one-third of the Jewish people. How many Jews worldwide were killed in the Holocaust? One-third. It's one-third, and I'm not just making up this statistic. Please look it up for yourself. It's a very commonly known statistic that one-third of worldwide Jews, Jew Jewry, was killed in the Holocaust. So I believe that Revelation 1 through 4 is a direct, directly fulfilled, is fulfilled in the birth of the nation of Israel, the rise of Nazism that happened back then at that same time. And then she gave birth to the son, and I believe that is Israel. And there could be many interpretations of that. It certainly seems to be Messiah because he's going to rule with a rod of iron. But you know what? There's other places where it say that the people of God are going to rule with a rod of iron. But let me just continue on. There was a, a war in heaven. Michael and the angels are waging war with the dragon. And the dragon is hurled down to earth. And then the dragon, this is starting in verse 13 in Revelation 12, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So who's the woman? We just said it's Israel. So now we see an attempted persecution against Israel. And that's precisely what happened right after Israel was born. We see immediately the Arab nations came against them in wars. They all rallied together and came against the nation of Israel. 
But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so she could fly into the wilderness into her place. This is Israel. So now they're safe in Israel. Where she was nourished for a time, times and a half, a time away from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent hurled water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. It's very interesting that God caused the flood to come upon the earth in the times of Noah and then promised that he will not destroy the people with a flood any longer. And now in the end, we have the serpent trying to kill people with a flood. But the earth helped the woman, Israel. And earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the, which, which the dragon had hurled out of his mouth. So what we see here is that the people of the earth, the earth protected Israel. And we see that even now. Israel is very much protected by the America and other nations. They're given weapons. They're given money. There's a protection. There's a protection that Israel has. There's a protection that Israel has. So we see here the dragon looking to come against Israel, the woman. But the woman is safe in Israel, safe in the wilderness. It says, she's put into the wilderness, she's safe, and even though the dragon is coming after her, it's not working. Okay? So this describes where we are today. And then it says in verse 17, so the dragon was enraged with the woman, Israel, and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Yeshua. Did you hear that? So the dragon was enraged with the woman, but the dragon couldn't get to the woman, right? She's protected. She's in this place of being protected. She's safe in the wilderness, in the land. So the dragon redirects his energy towards the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Yeshua. These are obviously believers, Christians, believers who not only believe in God, but they're, they're strong on righteousness. And we see... We see the tactic of the enemy to come against the believers, to come against righteousness. We see that now. All the, all the things we see around the world where God's righteousness, God's commandments are under attack. That is Revelation 12, verse 17, where he comes against the children of God who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Yeshua. It's not just enough when you're living your life to just say you're a believer. You have to be passionate. You have to love his word. You have to love his word. You have to do your best to keep his word and to live a righteous life. And the, it seems that the dragon now redirects towards us. And all of the things we see in the news, when a, a, a girl can be a boy and a boy can be a girl, and all, this, all the sexual immorality that's been normalized, that's that. That is the dragon coming against the, the people of God, those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. That is the end of Revelation 12. In the beginning of Revelation 13, right after the very next verse, it says, Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. I believe that we are on the cusp. And I don't say these things lightly. And those who know me know I don't preach about this stuff almost ever. I believe we are at the cusp of whoever this beast is, the Revelation beast, I believe we're at the cusp of his revealing. Because what we see in Revelation 12 is happening now. We see a progression. We see the birth of Israel, the woman giving birth. We see Israel being protected. We, saw the, we see the Holocaust directly prophesied in the book of Revelation. One-third of the stars fell. Those are the Jews. We see the dragon redirected towards the people of God and the commandments of God. That's happening now. That's where we are. We're on the cusp 
of, I believe, the beast being revealed and whatever that's going to be. So just keep an eye, keep an eye on all of that. Just keep an eye because the people of God are supposed to understand the times and understand the seasons. And I want to just say one thing, and I say this uh, with harshness and gentleness uh, towards those of us who are politically minded. I just want to say this because as I'm just looking into 2024, um, and we know it's an election year, um, so I just want to share this. This is something I feel strongly about. If I didn't feel strongly about it, I wouldn't say it, and I wouldn't say it if it wasn't so, but this is so. Now, many of us, most of us, if not all of us, kind of le we lean more towards the conservative side of the political spectrum, right? Most of us do, like for myself. You know, I will vote pro-life, pro-Israel all the time. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna hold back on that. I will vote pro-life, I will vote pro-Israel that's more important than anything else, personality, anything. It's more important, I will vote that way. And I think many of us will, because those are the priorities. Everything else we could debate, but things that are biblical, pro-life, pro-Israel, pro-God's pro view of us, of righteousness. This is the way, this is where I will lean uh, politically. So I wanna say this, in the space of Christian nationalism, I say this because it's true, and I say this as a warning. In the space of Christian nationalism, there's a devil. I want you to, I say this gently, but harshly, and I say it because it's true. There's a devil in the midst. Now, what is the litmus test to show where Christian nationalism is good and not? There are factions in the, in the America First movement, and believe me, I agree with a lot of it, but there are factions in the America First movement who will put Israel last. I want you to keep an eye on this. These are some of our favorite politicians, some of our favorite commentators are either anti-Israel at worst or Israel indifferent at best. And under the banner of America first, they will turn their back on Jacob in his time of need. I tell you this because it is so. They're not all like that. So when we keep an eye on politicians and commentators and, and folks like that who are, who are more on the Christian nationalist side, please be on the lookout for the devil who doesn't care about Israel. I am an American, but I have no problem saying I am an Israel first American. And I have no problem saying that. But that sentiment goes up sideways to the devil. To the devils in this midst that want to put Israel in the same vein as any other nation. Why are we helping them? We got our own problems. Be careful of that, and be careful of who is going to take the baton from President Trump in the America First movement. President Trump is very pro-Israel. He's done amazing things with Israel. He put the embassy into Jerusalem. He declared that Israel has sovereignty over certain parts of the land. He's, he's negotiated peace treaties, which are good for Israel. That's fine. That's all good. But President Trump, one way or the other, is going to be out of politics fairly soon. And the baton is going to be handed to someone else who's going to take over this America first type of thing, this nationalist type of thing. 
be careful. Watch that. I'm not saying that that's going to be the beast at all. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying to those who love America and pray for America and view themselves in that Christian nationalist space, watch out that the one who takes over as that leader of the America First movement is not somebody that's going to put Israel second. Israel has to be first. Has to be first. So be mindful of that. I tell you that as a warning looking into what's coming. So now we're in the, in the scriptures for in, in Shemot, in the beginning of the book of Exodus, in our Torah readings, and we see that we see almost a level of an antichrist or a beast right there. Another Pharaoh rose up who didn't know Joseph. Now, it doesn't mean, doesn't really mean that they didn't know Joseph. This Pharaoh wasn't like, I'm not sure who this guy Joseph was. Like, I, I have no memory of him. It doesn't mean that. Of course he knew who Joseph was. Joseph was a part of their history. It means he paid no mind to Joseph. He didn't care. He didn't care that Joseph came and did amazing things. He didn't care that the people of Israel were given like a special status, special privilege in Israel. He didn't care about any of that. That is a foreshadow of what the Antichrist can be. They don't care. They might know, but they don't care about Israel. So another Pharaoh comes up. He doesn't understand Joseph, doesn't care about Joseph. He doesn't care what, what happened there. In the book of Exodus, there are many heroes. Moses is a hero. Aaron is a hero. Miriam is a hero. But today, in the beginning of the year, I would like to talk a little bit about two heroes that you don't hear about too much. And their names are Shipra and Pua. Shipra and Pua. So what we see here is that Pharaoh wanted all the boys, the young boys of Egypt, to be killed upon birth. So he made an edict that the midwives, the ones that facilitate the birth, the midwives, are to kill the babies, to kill the baby boys upon their their birth. But Shipra and Pua disobeyed. Wouldn't listen. Wouldn't listen to the Pharaoh. In fact, told a lie to Pharaoh that the, the, woman of, the women of Israel, they're vigorous. Vigorous. They give birth so quickly we can't even get there on time. They whisk away their kids. But it was a lie. Shipra and Pua would not listen to unrighteous edicts from the government. The, the day is coming when what the government did around COVID is going to look like a drop in the bucket. It's going to be a drop in the bucket compared to what we're going to be asked to do, to compared to what we're going to be asked to believe, to be compared to what we're going to be asked to facilitate in our congregations. And we must delineate, we must learn to delineate between what we don't want to do and what is unbiblical to do. It says in Revelation 13, it says as it goes through the beast, it says that those, those, who, those who kill by the sword will die by the sword. And those who put into cap captivity will be taken captive. In other words, like if you're going to fight in the natural, it's not going to work out so well. So we got to know when to fight in spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in power through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds. They are, they are spiritual, spiritual battles that we fight. And we need to know which battles to fight and which battles God is saying, put down your sword. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. The people of God are going to have to learn to exercise that, to know that distinction. That's coming. I say that as a warning to you. I say that with love, that we're going to have to know the difference between what we simply don't like and when the government is saying, you got to kill those unborn. you got to kill those that are coming out. you got to kill those babies. Something legitimately unrighteous. But when the government comes up and the beast will say, you have to do these things, we cannot submit to that. We cannot submit to when the government is telling us to do things that are anti-righteousness, anti-commandments, anti the, the ways of God, and that is what is coming. Shipra and Pua, midwives. There's a couple things about the midwives. The midwives know when birth is about to happen. And every time there's the birth of the Redeemer, it came with signs. When Moses was to be born, it came with signs. When Yeshua was to be born, it came with signs. Midwives know the signs that a birth is about to happen. In fact, Yeshua said, to, these are the birth pains. The birth pains. The midwives can recognize. God is looking to raise up spiritual midwives at this time. This is what we learned from our Torah portion today. Spiritual midwives, all of you. All of you. To know the time of the birth is coming. To know the signs that the birth is, is happening. The birth is imminent. To know that. To know the signs of the birth. We see in Revelation 12, we see the birth of the son, and it came, with, it came with signs. The midwife knows the signs. You are midwives. God is raising up shipras and puas, midwives at this time, to know the signs, to know that the birth is near. What do we learn from the names of shipra and pua? Shipra, shin, peh, resh, peh, shin. Peh, Reish, Shin, Peh, Reish. What other word is Shin, Peh, Reish? Shofar. Puah, Peh, Ayin. You know what word Peh Ayin is also? It means to cry out. We have Shofar. And cry out. This is the role of the midwives. To sound the shofar. To be watchmen on the walls. To sound the alarm when unrighteousness is at the gates. Shofar and call out is shipra and pua. pua. We use our voices to cry out, to call out. To call out to Adonai. To declare when things are truly, truly unrighteous, then we will not go there. God is calling up an army of midwives. The heroes of Exodus are these two unknown midwives. God is raising up an army of midwives right now. Right now. God is raising up an army. And the last thing that the midwives do is they facilitate the birth. They facilitate the birth. Come on, somebody. There's only one birth that God cares about, and that's being born again. There's only one birth that God cares about, and that's being born again. But he cares about natural birth also. But he cares about being born again. You're all midwives. You know what that means? 
You're here to facilitate the birth of Yeshua, of the Son, in people. God is raising up an army of midwives. God is raising up an army of midwives to facilitate the birth of Yeshua in this last hour. There are many out there, many in our lives, many people we know that are on the table right now. Some people might know what that is. Push, push. All right, we don't need to go there. But many of the people of the, of the world are ready to deliver. And we have to recognize the signs of the birth and be available to help facilitate this. I tell you right now, the day of salvation is at hand. And God is raising up you, an army of midwives, to facilitate births of the Son of God in people. We are going to see, as we are in 2024 and beyond, we are going to see a, a, a stream of salvation. A stream of births of Messiah. And you are needed an army of midwives to facilitate it. The heroes of Exodus is Moses and Aaron and Miriam for sure. But the heroes are those unknown people that most people say, I don't know, what are you talking about, Shipra and Pua? I don't know who they are. The midwives are the heroes because they wouldn't listen to Pharaoh when he had an unrighteous edict. They're able to see the signs and they facilitate the birth. I tell you right now as we move into 2024 and whatever's coming next, God is raising you up as a midwife. Be on the lookout for the birth of Messiah in the people that you know. They're ready. They're ready. They're ready. More ready than you know. More ready than you know. And here you are. Here you are, midwives, ready to facilitate it. So let's just close this message just with the sound of the shofar because one of those midwives' names is shofar. Shipra. Same consonants. Shofar. So let's just receive the blowing of the shofar as the God's clarion call to raise us up as midwives, as midwives to know the signs of the birth and to facilitate the birth and like they did to not obey unrighteous, unbiblical edicts from the Lord. Let's just receive this. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, as we enter into this new year, Lord God, we are available. We are available to be your midwives. We are available, Father, to facilitate the birth of the Son of God in others, Lord God, and those that we come across, Lord God, because you have a, just a, a, a welling up salvation, welling up salvation. Those who draw waters from the well of salvation. The well of salvation is rising up. The well of salvation is rising up. Thank you, Father. The well of salvation is rising up. That well, that water, the water in the well of salvation is rising up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So we are available, Lord God, to be midwives in this hour. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We are available. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just speak that midwife, that midwife mandate. 
over everyone here, that midwife calling, the midwife anointing to be able to see when birth is imminent, to be available to facilitate when birth is imminent, and to say no to Pharaoh when he's looking to stop that birth. I speak that over everyone here in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen.